This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we are very happy to have uh, a couple of guests here on this Father's Day show. We're doing on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to every dad out there. Rugger Matrix America is brought to you by the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament, which, believe it or not, is really not that far in the future. It is February 11th and 12th in Las Vegas and is also associated with the Las Vegas Invitational on the days before. So please go to usa7s.com to check out details about that. There are some changes with the Las Vegas Invitational. They've got some nicer fields. We're very happy to be supporting that tournament yet again. And we have a great show for you this week. But first of all, let's say hi to the co-hosts. And Bruce McLean is in from New York, and Pat Clifton is in from Kansas City. So, uh, Pat, first of all, you, you're, you're, the, you're big winners, aren't you, from yesterday? That's right. My club got its first real win of a tournament of any kind, and uh, it was the first big sevens day out there, and I am sunburnt to uh, prove it, that I was out there all eight hours or seven hours, however long that, that, that tournament was. But it was a good day for us, for sure. That's pretty cool. Bruce, how's it going in New York? It's pretty good, Alex. I'm going in for uh, tendon transfer surgery tomorrow, so um, I know some of you may know I got my my neck was broken in like eight places, and, and I got my whole spine redone, two metal rods in my neck, but now I have dead nerves in my hand, so I can't use my right hand, and I need to get tendon transfer surgery. So I'll be in the I'll be in the I'll be in the OR for about four hours Thanks. tomorrow, uh, trying to get my hand to um, become somewhat functional. So is that like Tommy John surgery? No, is that what you're getting? No, this is last resort. Oh, this is okay. uh, not Tommy John surgery. You can still function. I'm I'm really uh, I'm I'm replacing dead tendons and dead nerves, like taking tendons from one place that works and putting it into another place. That does not sound like fun at all. Yeah, but what is fun is our next guest. <laughs> Chock full of fun. <laughs> if you've ever been to Rocker Field, which actually isn't even called Rocker Field anymore. Well, that's it, yeah, that that's the interesting thing to to introduce Greg Rocker from San Francisco Golden Gate and also one of the managers of the Super League. Is that uh, the the field at Treasure Island for Golden Gate was Rocker Field, and then I guess you gave that name up uh, to make it Sharon Field. So welcome to the show, Greg Rocker. He had to give it up. He had to win a champion. He had to win a championship, naming it something. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't get it right. Oh yeah, you got it right. I forgot. You got it right in 2010. You got your championship. Now Sharon has his championship. Now you just got to change. Maybe change it to Sharon Lavelle Field, and you know, and keep on going for time after time, and just keep winning championships. Well, we're not going to change it from Ray Sharon's field. Ray Sharon was a dear friend, and then Ray left us late last year. Unfortunately, and so it's more of a memorial to Ray. Ray was the guy that uh, really did all the uh, the hard work out there on the field. He did the physical uh, creation of the field. He, you know, he put the grass down. He did the the uh, irrigation. And not very many guys knew Ray because Ray was one of those quiet guys that um, was, uh, you know, every club needs lots of them. And we were uh, we were blessed with his uh, his being a member uh, since we moved out there to Treasure Island. Actually, since before that, and he was uh, we just felt and. and Tony Wells and I, in particular, felt that uh, the dedication for Ray was uh, appropriate, so um, yeah, we renamed it. Right? His, uh, yeah, his, uh, both of his sons did. Owen played for the Super League team. Uh, Owen has taken over uh, Ray's uh, business, um, and uh, so he's been a little bit uh, less involved with the rugby, but hopefully we'll get him back, too. So uh, continue the Sharon tradition. So Rockefield was uh, part of your legacy anybody who wants to have a field named after them i i think in in the game and and then then you uh took it away from yourself so um how did that feel you didn't seem to mind um oh we've joked a little bit about it here and there but it's it, uh, it was an honor turning it over to uh uh you know uh, in memory of our good friend ray sharon so uh, I, I i i feel fantastic about it it's not a, not a big deal at all well, we wanted to talk a little more uh, widespread, talking about the Super League. And Greg, obviously, you've been involved in the in the administration or the oversight of the Super League for many years. And this year, 
uh, we had a bunch of teams drop out, drop down to 11 teams, uh, actually dropped down to 10 teams and then added a completely new team in the Utah Warriors. Uh, so we, we, we always talk about how there are numbers of uh, teams in a league that you don't want, and 11 is one of those numbers you really don't want. How did uh, – overall, what, what's your take on how the season went uh, in in terms of – getting that schedule put together and and getting everybody to play and figuring out how to accommodate 11 teams. Well, you're absolutely right, Alex. I mean, the 11 is not a good number. Um, but uh, having said that, uh, you know, I think the guys that did the schedule uh, did a pretty good job, um, and the season worked pretty well. Um, and there was a – you know, we, we wanted to keep it – it was a little – we knew going in it was going to be a little bit of a compromise season, Um that at least that was the attitude of the league. Uh, we had talked with uh, Nigel Melville and a few people at USA Rugby and trying to accommodate some of um, the world, uh, the Rugby World Cup scheduling, the earlier Churchill Cup, and a few other things. So um, you know that that played into it, along with losing a few teams, um, which which you know it, it was not ideal at the outset. I think we made the best of it, as we've often had to do with the uh, Super League and. Uh, you know, things came out okay. I mean, I don't think it's a season we want to do again or try to plan for again. Um, we'd like to get back to, you know, 12 or 14 teams optimally if we can get, um, you know, 12 or 14 good competitive sides. And that's something we've always struggled for. Um, and we've had lots of different opinions in the Super League over the years, uh, you know, going all the way back to the days of uh, Mel Smith from life um, and uh, right on through. And, and I've Often I've been one that's uh, been a proponent of fewer teams and a little higher caliber, try to shoot for that. And, um, you know, it's, it makes it difficult, though. Costs, obviously, are a factor. And, you know, if you have eight or ten teams and you probably look at uh, a round-robin schedule for an optimal schedule, uh, and you can't – so you have to travel nationally. And, again, um, a lot of people have very strong thoughts about that, most of, most of it centering around costs. You know, you talk about you don't want to plan for 11 again. So that means hopefully you guys add some people this this summer. Um, you know, one of the guys that we talked about or we talked about all last year was Glendale and, and how they were um, not accepted. Um, now that they've won the national championship, Bruce has shed some light on the fact that he thinks that they have to get in now or get an invitation. Um, is that the way you see it? Um, <laughs> you know, I do. Um, uh, and I, I think um, – there's obviously a lot of considerations, uh, and, and from that point of view, we've been fairly consistent. I mean, there's certainly from a um, competition uh, point of view, it is the first year that uh, Glendale's won it, um, and I think they've, uh, you know, they've certainly got the facility, the organization. I think it's going to be very difficult to not uh, invite Glendale. Um, there's some, there are a couple teams that, uh, for various reasons, would probably prefer not to have Glendale in, um, and. You know, there, I mean, you hate to say it, but there's uh, often sometimes politics that uh, um, that play into this, um, and I'm not sure that uh, that's always been fair. But uh, you know, be it as may, uh, I, I don't think it's been something that's been overriding. I don't think very many teams have been kept out because of that um, very frequently. But Glendale's probably one um, that um, I think we will. Um, uh, if I was going to, and Bruce, you can jump in here, but if I was going to say if there's a team that should be let in and we should let in, it would be Glendale this year. Yeah, I'd have to agree that it, it, this year and and look, I, I and both sides on last year were wrong. Glendale, Glendale was and Denver just didn't decide to to do that in the right way. And you know they both rolled the dice and saw what happened. And in all reality, I mean, I was surprised at how that vote went last year. But I also warned the Glendale guys. I'm like, these guys are in the league together. They've been around for a very long time, and um, and and they do look out for each other. So you gotta, you know, you gotta make concessions to do the right thing to try to help do what's best for the league and not what's best for Glendale. And if that's the way you're gonna you're gonna act, then you know there is a chance that you can lose that vote. And 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 they did. Um, but. You know, and I think that that's going to be the one thing that, that they're going to really have to understand is that as as a league, although people do lambaste us here, there, and everywhere, 
we in general do try to do what's best for the league as opposed to what's best for ourselves as individual clubs. And I think that that's going to be critical. And I also think that, well, you know, where does Dallas stand? You know, they, they had a very difficult season. Where does Old Blue stand? They almost left the league last year. They actually did leave and came back. And then they were 0-6. Where do they stand? Um, so there's going to there's gonna be things that, you know, we're going to have to address. So we may have. And, and the biggest problem really with having a National League isn't anything other than life, because I don't know that life can afford it, because they already are playing in a college league, and, and, that, and that becomes difficult for them. I don't know what you're thinking there, Greg, but that, that's kind of where I come from it, and, and, and I think it's going to be an interesting season. I do think the Super League meeting is too late in August. I, I think we probably should have done one a little earlier. but I, I mean, I, I would tend to agree with you, Bruce, and maybe we're a little bit late, although I think there's probably enough time to um... – approach some of these clubs uh now and i think that uh you know they they there is some work that goes into this obviously before we get to a uh, a group vote um and i think a lot of people don't understand that i think you know just to reiterate too in, in the few, in the past i mean i think people have been critical of the league um and um you know with the exception of of a little bit of what went on last year i think we've been you know very uh earnest in trying to figure out what are the best teams to bring in. And, and, and a lot of that, of course, is what people don't hear is, you know, the teams aren't ready to come in. People say, well, why didn't you bring these guys in, you know, whoever it might be, the Olympic club or whatever. And most of the time it's the club's decision. And, um, uh, you know, again, that's maybe not always optimal, uh, but that's, the, that's in fact the way it, it works here. And um, with all those other considerations, you know, the finances, and the finances are one of those things that I think um, – are greatly overblown. I think one of the things that the clubs have that are difficult um, in figuring figuring out what it costs to do the Super League, it's run a little bit more like a business. It's not the rugby's usual thing. It's not when you finally get to the uh, the finals, oh, gosh, we've got to go find some money somewhere. Um, it means that you have to do it year in and year out, and you have to have it paid on time. And you know, But when you really look at the, the dollars and cents of it, I know San Francisco Golden Gate can speak from first-hand knowledge. Last year we had our um, uh, Division Two team go all the way to the Final Four, and uh, our Division Two team cost us considerably more money getting them all the way to that point um, than our Super League budget. And that is not just talking about the cost share for flying. That's including hotels and bands and all the rest of it. Um, you know, our uh, Division Two team cost us about $10 more so. If clubs are out there figuring that they're really going to make it to the Final Four, um, you know, got some news for you. The Super League's a bargain. Now, Greg, the, the, with the money and the travel issue, and there are criteria for getting a team into the league. It's not just win and you're in. No, um, it's not. And, and, and Glendale perhaps – checks pretty much all those boxes because of the facility they have that's a big thing whether you have a decent facility and and they've got money behind it uh you look at olympic club and is the is, let's say they wanted to be in and and i don't know whether they do or not really you I, know what I, I suspect Ir- irrelevant don't. irrelevant conversation i spoke to andy king after the this week actually who used to play for new york ac and plays for olympic club and I said, are you guys interested in joining the league? And he said, no, we're happy with you. Okay. All right. So well, it's a non-issue. Okay. Then uh, hypothetically, you, you, you have another team that either makes the final or makes the final four that play very well. What, what are some of the things that you're looking at to see whether they should be even considered? Well, I think competitiveness, like you say, is one of them. Then the facilities and the finances, you know, and if, even if they don't have a great facility to start with, is it something that they're going to be able to get in the next few years? Someplace that would be, um, that we want to get away from the, the schoolyard sort of uh, deal, the public park. Uh, and again, not to say that some public parks aren't, aren't good, um, but, but some are not. They're not up to standard. The organization, the history of the club, you know, their, their administrative ability. And then also uh, we take into consideration some geography. I mean, with budgets as tight as they are, bringing in, for instance, one of the things that we had we were presented with a few years ago was the um, team from Iowa, the Prozac. The, the um, yeah, I mean, you know, that was going to be a tough one from a 
getting in and out, costs going up there, time going up there. You had very few places where you could take a direct flight. Um, so things like that are, you know, you, you have to think about it a little bit. And uh, not to say, I mean, you know, we've had Aspen in the past, which was the same sort of thing. Um, not an easy place to get to, a very expensive place to get to. Um, but going forward, um, you know, that's an unfortunate reality that uh, sometimes will impact. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's a consideration that everybody makes. Um, Muscatine, Iowa is where Pearl City was out of, and they have great antique shopping, by the way. Um, so that, that I don't know if that was factored in, but perhaps it should have been. You, you know, I, I think, maybe that, I think that in, terms of, in terms of what Greg's saying and, and having sat in the meetings and, 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 had, and had Greg lean back in his chair, probably wondering when the hell I was going to shut up. But um, the, the couple of things, you need administration, you need facilities, you need players, you need a feeder system, you need money, and you, and you need a ge- geographical location that's good. Bottom line is, the reason we couldn't have, have a team from Muscatine, Iowa, is that it's unfair to ask guys who work all week to fly on Friday night and drive two and a half hours to a game. So you got to play by an airport. So we could play, Pro City could have been in, but they would have had to play in Chicago. Or play the Chicago teams in Pearl City, but you got to get a home field in Chicago because it's unfair for a team to fly in and then have to drive a long way. It's one of the biggest problems with the college premier division. Once they get into the playoffs, when these teams start to fly into these locations, that they have to fly and drive and fly and drive, and that's tough. So, Greg, I, I think there's another misconception that people have. I think that people think that people – that the USA Rugby gives the Super League money, and it is absolutely the opposite. <laughs> we give USA Rugby. We pay. For I would say that that's. <laughs> we I mean, if we get money from if we get money from USA Rugby, Bruce, I haven't seen it. So we I, pay I mean, for fact, I'm not sure, and I and I mean, I think USA Rugby, and I I, I hate to, to hit this too hard. I think we've got some good people at USA Rugby, but I think USA Rugby in general uh, as an organization. Uh, you know, um, it's um, Greg. Why don't you just I, I say what make, you said on the phone? You and I spoke. Speak I think they make. This. I think they make the Super League look great. I mean, you know, <laughs> and we have our issues with the Super League, no question. But, but Greg, uh, you, I mean, you, you've said you've said something to me privately over the phone, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know say, and and it's a bugaboo of yours, and 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 I actually disagree, but understand where you're coming from. Is that you say if we're supposed to be the premier or one of the premier competitions that feed the Eagles, we have gotten zero, zero help from a financial standpoint. Now, my own personal opinion is I would rather that there be a build up at the base at the high school and college level, give us players and we'll deal with that. But I think that what's really done us in is the fact that they've promised us certain things about access to our own players, who in many cases we give jobs to, we give apartments to, we give the, and then they take them for the Eagles right when we need them. So, you know, the, I mean, that kind it, of thing, that's where I think that they've let us down. I think they've let us down horribly there sometimes. I mean, we've adjusted our schedule to try to, you know, to cooperate and with they, them. And, 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 then still gotten, and still gotten screwed, even this year. We adjusted our schedule down to March 21st, or May 21st, when we could have played that a week later. We could have played that game on, on Memorial Day. We would have had, we would have been able to have a three-week playoff. We would have been able to have a venue that we, you know, we wouldn't have played an East-West venue. We would have, done, you know, we made a lot of concessions this year and in previous years, and you know, and, I mean, when and hey, uh, you know, while while we're on it, Bruce, I mean, you know, with the concession of moving to uh, uh, an earlier finish. Uh, and then, you know, we even tried to work with USA Rugby to play the final in conjunction um, with some of the finals there in playoffs at Rio Tinto. And, I, I mean, no disrespect to um, the uh, women's under-19 semifinals, but, you know, that, those games couldn't be moved out of Saturday afternoon by USA Rugby to have a Super League final there. Um, I don't know what USA Rugby's thinking on things like that. I mean, I, I like to see a lot of different, you know, rugby's for everybody. It's all inclusive, men, women, five-year-olds. I mean, you know, my club, I think, does as good a job as anybody in including all sorts of people. I mean, we have, you know, five-year-old rugby. It, it starts in at five years old. We have both uh, boys and girls all the way through to seniors, you know. So, I mean, 
um, on any given weekend, you'll have three or 400 people coming around the clubhouse, uh, all getting a chance to play rugby at different levels. But, you know, when you talk about trying to promote the Super League and USA Rugby tells us that we are their premier competition, and then we can't, you know, after moving our schedule around and all the rest, and then they won't even consider us for a Saturday afternoon time slot at one of their um, semifinal venues, you know, it's the old action speak louder than words thing. Well, it, it it does seem like the the league is expected to just ex- exist on its own, and uh, um, you know th- there was talk a long time ago about the idea that USA Rugby and the Super League would uh, coordinate in terms of uh, getting sponsors and things like that. But that that it really doesn't happen that way. Super League operates on its own. Um, g- going forward, Greg, next year, what do you see this? the league looking like um that's that's a good question i mean i i would hope that we will start look that we'll go back to looking a little bit more uh like we have in years prior to 2011 um it would be nice to get uh some sort of a cross-pollination play uh you know that we can get a if we if we have an east and a west division and maybe we have a couple three um mix-up games with you know where the west can play the east uh, and have those count as regular season games. I mean, I think that obviously we played. We don't, in my opinion, we do not play enough games. And I, again, I'm, I get the the argument that's always thrown out there about costs and time, etc. But I think if we really want to be a viable league, and this is a shortcoming that we have, you know, to play 10, 11, 12 regular season games is, you know, we we need to do that. Um, and um, I don't see that that's an overkill. I mean, especially at least 10. I mean, heck, 10 is, is a minimum when you look around the, the world. I mean, these guys are worried about, you know, are they playing too many at 35 and 40? And our guys are not professional. I, I know all those arguments, but I think to have a little bit better competition, um, six games is certainly not enough. Uh, we need to at least expand that to 10. And the closer we can get to that, I, I won't say that we're going to get to 10 this year because I don't think we will. But it would be nice to see us get back to eight or nine, and I'm hoping that that's what we might look like in 2012. It's funny. I actually disagree. I think we'll be at 10. That, that I kind of knew, Bruce. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I disagree. That it seems to be anytime I'm at a Super League meeting, that, that, was, that those two words come out of my mouth quite a while, quite a lot. Um, no, because I, I, I actually think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have like a. I think we're going to have a 9 or 10 team league. And it's, if, it'll include Glendale, may include a Glendale-Denver amalgamation. I, 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 don't, I don't think Dallas has much they can do. I, but I think, we're going to, I think we're looking at, a, at that kind of a league. And if you, you know, and, and do you play, uh, see, even if you had an East and West Conference and you had 12 teams, do you play a double round robin? That gives you 10 games, and do you play a double round robin in a championship? Because if you have a double round robin, I mean, the, t- the team that wins your conference is, is the best team in your conference, essentially. So, you know, there's almost no reason to have a semifinal. But, and then everybody gets a, a good amount of games, and, and you're also within a. In, in, so even if you don't do the cross pollination, or if you have nine or ten teams, you, you know, or 11, you know, ten teams, you're going to play your, your nine games. I, I don't know what's going to happen, Greg, because I just don't see. With Olympic Club not wanting to be in, and if Belmont, Santa Monica, and the other teams don't want to go back in, I don't see where we're going to get anyone else to join us. Yeah, I, I think Belmont might be a, another year or two away from from wanting back in. Um, but I think something that you know, something to point out here too is that, uh, and I and I again, I'm I don't mean to hammer anybody, but I think realistically looking at you know, that everybody was chirping about the Southern California. Um, the strength of the Southern California League, and I think it's good. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, we uh, were some, some strong, some strong um, competition down there, but I don't think it's you know just sort of, uh, out of the ordinary. I mean, I think it's um, you know Belmont. I think it's a team that's capable of coming back and being very strong. They're not as strong as they were when they were playing in the Super League, and um, I think if you know if they're honest with themselves and they look at it, most of those guys would tell you that too. I mean, I. 
the history with San Francisco and Go- uh, San Francisco Golden Gate and Belmont goes way back, and uh, um, you know uh, they they haven't been as strong. They are capable of coming back up and doing that. I think I'm back eventually. We'll be back. Um, you know, they're, they're a team that has a lot of potential. Um, but once you get beyond that, I mean, I think some of the other teams were, you know, very good and uh, uh, competitive and the like, but I don't think anything out of the ordinary. Uh, and, uh, um, Greg, do and you – Maybe a little overrated. Do, do you think that we're going to see another team like the Utah Warriors spring out of, out of nothing? And also, do you – People at the Super League kind of wish that the Las Vegas Blackjacks had built on their success from uh, two seasons ago and continued to be strong and uh, and make themselves a viable candidate because Las Vegas might be an attractive location for, for a club. Las Vegas would be a great location for a club, and I'll, and I'll answer you in, in the reverse order. I mean, I'd love to see Las Vegas. I'd love to see anybody – that can be become a better club. I mean, one thing that we've got to understand and we're getting better at it in the Super League is if you don't have really good competition, you're not going to get better. I mean, we need the best competition we can get. You've got to search it out. You've got to play the best teams. I know that's something that Bruce and I do agree on. Um, you know, you're always looking for where can we go to play the hardest rugby. Um, and, um, because if you don't do that, if you're not willing to do that, then, uh, you know, at least from a competitive point of view, and, and I, you know, I started off playing social rugby. Social rugby is the, it's the guts, it's the, it's the roots of everything. But, you know, once you, and, and it's got its place, but then once you move a little bit ahead and you do something like the Super League, you know, you've got to really look forward to, hey, we want clubs to be good. The better they are, the better everybody's going to be. It's going to lift everybody's standard. And I think sometimes we don't look at that hard enough and, uh, you know, clubs have their own self-interest at heart and that's natural but we really have to get out of that way of thinking and the super league has done a lot in moving some clubs forward from there utah um i mean i think they're they're kind of unique i don't know that we're going to see too many of those spring up like you say um i mean if they can if they have the backing they seem to be um you know competitive and uh it would be great to i mean Sure, why not? I mean, have three or four more of those um, teams come along would be wonderful. But uh, I'd, I'd say the chances of that are probably pretty slim. Greg, um, this is something we haven't talked about a lot here on the show, but um, the Kansas City Blues kind of partnering with Sporting Kansas City, the, uh, the MLS team here in Kansas City. I, I don't know to what extent that partnership exists. Um, you know how you know how much financially they're really helping out the Blues, or, or what it's really going to do to their club. But did w- did you see that, and did it raise any? Uh, you know, did it raise your? We saw that. You know, and we've talked with um, forget the gentleman's name. Who I mean, probably you know, a dozen years ago, uh, back uh, Bob Watkins was uh, involved with the Super League, um, and Bob was able to get a. Um, uh, a conference call together with the president of the MLS. The important part was, you know, he he really enlightened a lot of us as to what the financial success was of the MLS and the perception, you know, some of the success they had. I mean, people thought that the Women's World Cup was a huge success here. And I think from a PR point of view, it was a relatively big success. But, I mean, one of the things we learned was that the only game, the only game that made money and probably because the American women were in it was the final and that they were very artful in how they showed stands full and, you know, different points of view from the the cameras and all the rest. So it was a little bit, you know, it was interesting. Now, as far as if there's a dynamic that works, the stadiums, uh, some sort of overlap in a, you know, marketing, um, jerseys and paraphernalia, that sort of stuff. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, it would be great to learn a little bit more about what Kansas City's doing. Um, but, I, you know, uh, I guess I would be a little bit guarded. I mean, things can work. You know, everybody's got to go search out their niche in their own area, too. What's available to them? How do you, you know, how can the dynamic work? I mean, we've been a little bit lucky in San Francisco. It took us a long time. But, you know, we've got a fairly strong uh, relationship with um, the local government, the local authorities there. And so uh, we, you know, we benefit from that, uh, the way that they treat us, some of the, you know, the charges for the use of facilities and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, that's where we've decided to kind of 
to spend a lot of time and effort because it's it's paid off. And I, you know, uh, Kansas City, I hope they find that that pays off well there too. Um, I, I do want to go back a little bit and kind of rewind to the uh, to the how many teams and, and sort of thing we were looking at. From what I'm hearing from both of you guys, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that it looks like Glendale's probably going to be added, and it looks like Dallas is perhaps going to drop. That would put you back at 11. Is there something that you guys aren't saying or that we don't know that would take you from that to, to eight or nine or to 12, like you were talking about? Uh, don't 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 put don't put words in Dallas' mouth. Dallas has nowhere to go. I was just saying that they had struggled this season. The Dallas has made no mention, at least that I know of that they're even relatively considering. I mean, Dallas was a playoff team two years ago. So talking about, talking about like, just because they had a rough season, I, I was just making that comment in that sense. Boston had a rough couple seasons and went to the semifinals a year after. As did DAC, had a rough couple of seasons and went to a semifinal. It happens. So, um, yeah, please don't put words in the, Dal- in the Dallas mouth. But Yeah, I, I think you got to expect that you're going to have ups and downs. Yeah. I, I don't well, know thank what's you for, gonna happen, Pat. Thank you for taking those words out of their mouth after I promptly put them in there. Well, but, I, uh, yeah. I, I, put them in. I, I put them in. So that was. Do we have any? Do we have any guys that you think that maybe we're not mentioning or aren't obvious? Uh, you know, like a Glendale that could be added to the league. There's always a surprise out there. I mean, and, and I, I mean, we're not keeping anything from you. I, I haven't heard yet. Um, you know, uh, I know that Sean Kelly. Um, keeps his long tentacles out there and talking with people and uh, spends a lot of time with that. So every once in a while there is a little bit of a surprise, but I don't, uh, I'm not aware of anything um, immediately. Anyhow, Greg, I got one last question. I'm not aware of anything either. I got one last question. I'm not even aware of Glendale. (laughs) Glendale hasn't said that they wanted to be in anymore. That's true. They haven't said anything, right? Well, Bullock has told me that the, I asked him after the shortly after the final, and he wouldn't say so much as yes, we want to be in the Super League. But he said we want to play what the highest competition is in the United States, and uh, whatever that is, that's where we want to be. So it sounds like he's still pretty interested in, in playing. Well, that would be great, um, Greg. I got, I got one question for you. What are two things or three things that USA Rugby can do to help the Super League be more successful? And conversely. What are two or three things that the Super League really needs to do to help rugby in America be more successful? Because I think that while we've done a lot of good, we've also we've also you know kind of come short of the mark at especially in terms of promoting ourselves and and making it a, a an entertainment product. I think that at times the product is entertaining especially if you look at the finals matches and they've been relatively successful over the past six or seven years, but that kind of thing, what would you say along those lines? Well, let's, let's stay with what we could do to, to make things a little bit more, uh, to, to make things better for American rugby. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at it, one of the things that we've got to work hard at um, is uh, since it seems to me that the club is still the basis for American rugby, um, and so one of the things that the Super League has been criticized, and, and I think probably rightly so, is it's it's been counterproductive at the club level. How do you deal with a Super League team and keeping your club together with, you know, whether it's a Division One, Division Two, or whatever team to follow because there is no B team, and, and it's very, you know, you cannot keep a Super League team going with just 15 guys. Um, I mean, unless you have... Uh, you know, some extraordinary contacts and money and, and, you know, probably not really worth doing in that sense. Um, and that's, that's not an easy answer. Uh, I think it, they, they do run, you know, you're playing at different venues, uh, different amounts of money are spent at different times. Um, it's not easy at all. I know, um, I, again, I, I hate to harp on San Francisco Golden Gate, but it, I know it took us quite a while to figure that out. The last few years, I think we've started to, um, kind of figure out the, the quotient and, and what it takes, focusing some some resources and, you know, club energies and the like on our second team as well so that, you know, they don't feel like the redhead stepchild. I mean, they've got to be brought along and uh, keep, a, you know, a club atmosphere going. And it's tough. I mean, it is not – it's not easy, and uh, we certainly don't have it down 100%, but we're working very, very hard at that. And, 
it's you know it, it people have to be aware of that when they come in if they're going to do it from a club basis now you know the i guess the opposite side of that is you have a utah team who kind of did spring up out of nowhere with just a super league base uh, granted they have suppose they have a little different funding set up although now i guess they're looking at encompassing um, the old Highland program and, you know, trying to spread out. So maybe they're kind of doing it a little differently. They're starting from the top and, and building this pyramid down. But they had to do it pretty quickly. I think they're, you know, <laughs> they looked around and saw, well, where are we going to get people from? Um, so I think that's probably the place that we've let U- USA Rugby down, or not, not USA Rugby, but American Rugby um, down the most, and that we have uh, we have created a little bit of uh, uh, an elite if you will, and I know that's one of the criticisms we have that we get often. Uh, I don't think it's been um, intentional. I'm not sure that you can avoid it, but uh, you know, th- there you have it. Um, as far as USA rugby goes, well, we've talked a little bit about you know some of the things um, being sticking to their schedule when they commit to us. I think is one thing that they could work with. Um, and, and again, I appreciate. It. I mean, individually, I've I've had some great experiences with people there. I mean, you know, um, you won't find a guy that's uh, much more gifted and, and able than Nigel Melville. But you know, again, having said that, and, and I think all these guys, I think you know, the, my criticism of USA Rugby is that we got bad people, or that the board of directors goes on off and tries to screw anyone or do that. I mean, that's silly. These guys aren't there spending their time. Uh, working at, at USA Rugby to do that, um, but they do have to look realistically at, you know, what have we achieved? And I think, um, you know, I'll point. Uh, many of you probably read some of Kurt Erler's uh, articles. Uh, the, the one he said uh, just did about, you know, support your team when you know once you leave the shores. I'm a huge supporter of the Eagles, um, and and the, the guys that play and that 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 give their time and effort for it. We really do have to look at the time and money that we spend on this, and where are we now? You know that we, I mean, <laughs> I don't think we're, our Eagle program is any further along than it. I mean, it may not be as far along as it's been in the past. Um, and um, you know, we've we've started and stopped with NA4. We look for different, you know, spent loads and loads of money on stuff like that. And if we've taken some of that money and plowed it back in again, what? You know, we all talk about building up the high school, building up the college. Well, we've got to build up the clubs, too. And if you look at what you could do with just a fraction of that money, take 20% of the NA4 money, Bruce, and have, have made that available and guided it with some of the RSL teams, I think we'd have sponsors now, perhaps. We've got to look at a way to get on television, you know, that sort of thing. And then that will build up and get stronger, and then we move forward. I mean... I love the Eagles. I love, you know, it's a, an amazing honor to be able to play for your country, but I, I question whether we're really getting anywhere with what we do. Well, all right. That's a perfect way to uh, cap it off. And Greg Rocca from the USA Rugby Super League and from San Francisco Golden Gate and formerly the name behind Rocca Field. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of your uh, Sunday morning to speak with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. That. Hey Greg, congratulations yeah. on a second championship. Oh, thank you. Congratulations, you guys did a great job. You dominated the season. You ran the table, and you were worthy champions, no doubt about it. Thank you. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Well, we spoke with Greg Rocca, and and he talked about the Eagles. And uh, oddly enough, that's also something that we wanted to talk about, and we just had the final Churchill Cup game, actually the final Churchill Cup weekend ever because the Churchill Cup is not coming back. But the USA played for the bowl against Russia on Saturday, and they won the bowl. They won the game 32-25, to and it was a, a back-and-forth game. It was 8-8 to at halftime, and Russia went out to an 18-11 lead. And then uh, USA scored a, a try, uh, a fairly good team try, uh, capped off with Andrew Suniula. Doing selling a dummy and cutting back to score, and then uh, Todd Clever uh, grabbed a bobbled ball out of midair and ran 55 meters to put the USA up 25 to 18, and then uh, with the game tied 25 all, 
Another nice uh, team try started by Blaine Scully and ended by Tyanosa. Two young guys uh, won the game for them. Uh, uh, wasn't a perfect performance by any means. Uh, and, and I was talking, Pat, I was talking with you about it before the show. And I just said every time Russia had the ball, I was nervous. And, and I guess that's, that, that comes down to it for me is that Russia actually looked very dangerous with the ball. Uh, if they didn't break the gain line, they pushed they, – they made the gain line and pushed it back a little bit uh, virtually every time they, they had the ball. Uh, their wings were very, uh, very successful, let's put it that way. I think, I think the USA still had some trouble defensively on the outside. Um, so, yeah, they won. Which is nice, but wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a dominating performance. It wasn't a, necessarily a great performance. I think it's you, you do have to take it as a, it's it's a win. It's a second win over Russia in you know about a year, um, and that just lays on the pressure more thickly for uh, um, for for this fall when they play in, in New Zealand. That everybody already expected the Eagles have to beat Russia. If they don't win, it's a disaster. I think everybody cons- would consider a World Cup winless. Uh, and not beating Russia as a disaster. And so this just sets up that stage even more considerably. And the Eagles did it without, they won this time without, you know, without Hayden Smith, without Taco and Gwendy and all the guys that, you know, we think that are going to factor in pretty heavily, Samu Manoa, Chris Wiles, they're going to factor in pretty heavily in, in the World Cup. And, and Alex, you told me that you thought this was a, a good Russian selection. Um, uh, a couple of maybe switches could have been made, but you thought this was a good Russian selection. Um, I think that's good. It's very good. It doesn't make me forget about Tonga and the Saxons. Um, if they go off and, and beat Canada twice in Japan, I'll forget about Tonga and the Saxons. But uh, I think it's – you want to keep the win in perspective – um, but at the same time, I, how can you not be happy with beating a team that you got to play in the World Cup here in a few months, uh, especially when you had maybe some of your horses still in the stable and, and they seem to have all theirs out on the track? Yeah, they they didn't start Gresev, who is probably their best flanker. He's a, he's just a, a scary cinder block of a guy. And um, uh, they brought him on, I think, as an impact sub, and he, and he had a little bit of an impact, but he, he was one of their best players when the USA played Russia last year and and is still considered uh, a, a very good player. And, they, and I think it was their second choice at, at fly half, but, but uh, um, they didn't have too much trouble there. Um, for, for me, for the – yes, they, they won, and, and I think the, the thing that, that I was happy about with the Eagles was that they – they were behind, and and possibly the game was slipping away from them the way it did against Tonga, and they didn't let it. They played, uh, like I said, their, their defense was kind of a flex defense. They bent, they didn't really break completely, but they they were it wasn't it wasn't a defense that I was really excited about. Offensively, they kept the ball. Their ball handling was way better. Uh, they did turn the ball over in the ruck a few times, including a couple of really critical ones. Uh, when they scored the try to to take the lead, 32-25, and the the restart, and I think if you asked Lou Stanfield how he felt about uh, going into the ruck and knocking the ball on in the ruck or losing the ball, um, I, I know he was pretty upset with himself at the time, and that was a critical one because they gave up a scrum right under the pretty much under the posts. They managed to to get out of that, um, but there there were some good performances. I think Todd Clever, his second half was the best I've seen him in a while. I think that. Uh, Mike Petrie played well at scrum half. He got a chance to start against uh, a, a team that, that wasn't steamrolling the USA, which I think was good. Uh, Nessie Malifa had a very good game. Um, I think that uh, Blaine Scully showed that he can play fullback, which I think was was crucial. And and Andrew Suniula, I think I told you, Pat, had, had two-thirds of a good game. His passing wasn't good, although he made a, a couple of very nice short passes. His long passing quite bad but uh but he he defended well enough and ran the ball well and actually did what i think we had a comment on uh on rugbymag.com where somebody said why can't we get uh a big uh bruising inside center who can actually break the gain line well andrew suniola did that um bruce what what did you see i saw that it was good to win and i think that that was important and clever making that play you know, your, your top players need to make big plays at big times, and he did that. And I think that that, that was great. 
in order to put them ahead, and then uh, and they needed a they needed that try by Anosa to win it. I think that if they cut some of their errors, they really could have wiped Russia, but they didn't. And Russia is 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 way way improved over last year. That's that's for sure. I thought the scrum was better on the defensive side of the ball. On the attacking side of the ball, they still get under pressure. They're probably going to have to look at using a left foot strike um, in order to keep themselves square in the scrum. That may allow them to to scrum with a bit more power as opposed to a a conventional strike. I think that Scully was, he showed nicely, and I think he's going to be a factor. But the biggest thing is, I, I still think that the United States game plan, either it changes or they're going to have a dreadful sum up. If they use that that the game plan, attacking plan that they have against Canada, if Canada plays any way, shape, or form close to how they played England or the England Saxons, that the United States can really badly struggle in that game. So I think that the U.S. really has to sit and look and look at their attack plan and say, is this how we want to play? Can we play this way with <clears throat> with two centers who really, in, in Emmerich and Suniola, who really struggle with the passing game? While they're, they're effective runners and effective ball carriers, they really do struggle with the passing game. And does that force Malif into having to make long passes and take him out of his game? Can they use somebody in the midfield who can handle the ball a bit better? And and I think that, or do you change your attack plan and use your forwards to be a little bit more direct? They're going to have to decide that. And, you know, as far as this Churchill Cup went, while it was great to get that win against Russia, I think Russia got more out of the Churchill Cup than the U.S. And I don't think the U.S. handled, you know, I don't think that the Churchill Cup was handled well, nor do I think the fall tour was handled well. And, and essentially now we're going into um, the Test Series and the World Cup. And, and, and no, I've made no bones about that this Test Series is the World Cup. And then, and then they have their game in the World Cup that they have to perform well in. Canada played great. Canada played great against England. They played as well as they can possibly play. And a couple things went begging on them. You know, and a couple things went begging on the Saxons. But a couple things went begging on Canada, too. We are giving up scoring opportunities because we're under-resourced in the contact area. We can't. We, we are just not using our players effectively. I don't care what anyone says. If we do that, we're in trouble, period. End of sentence. Yes, we can beat Russia. Russia is not that good. We should beat Russia. We should beat Tonga. Our attack plan is got to change, has got to change. This is what Eddie O'Sullivan has been saying, is he's basically, he's not showing all his cards right now. And, and I'm not saying I agree. Alex, Alex, please spare us his BS. I'm just, spare no, us the no, BS. No, no, Eddie, actually, spare us the no, BS. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to I don't to want to care. I don't, you know That's what, I'm, wait, job, I am going to interrupt you. I have to interrupt you. My job is to report what people are saying. You want to know what he's thinking. What he says he's thinking is that he's not showing everything that that he can do or plans to do. He didn't want to show everything, especially against Russia, uh, that could be scouted. So he, so what? I'm looking at it, thinking, is he holding back? Is you know, I don't, I don't like the defense that that they showed against Russia because I thought it was too soft. It wasn't coming up and taking space away. But are they going to change it? Going forward or not, I I I don't know. I don't Alex, know. They have to change it. They have to change it. If they don't change it, they're going to get annihilated. They have to change it. Is this a bit? Are we, is this a bit like arguing after you know two NFL preseason games saying, well, if we play like this in the regular season, we're going to get killed? No. I think that that's. I think it could no. be. No. Yes. Last time it, I looked, Tom Brady wasn't playing. That's the, that's the that's the way they're treating it. They've been Tom Brady, you know what, what Churchill a, Cup is a, as a preseason tournament. It's idiocy. But but that it's it's, it's idiocy. It's irrelevant whether it's idiocy or not. That's what they're doing. But then you know what? I, I can promise you this: three definite losses in the World Cup. I'll give you that right away. Maybe four, but three for sure. I thought that was already a given. <laughs> so I'm, I'm saying. So what the hell are we using this as a preseason for? 
What, if it's just garbage, about, then, then who cares who goes? Why do we no, have a head coach then? No, listen. What is he there pre-season? for? Oh, hold on. Let me you either go and tr- wait a second. You either go and try to win or don't go. You're putting on a USA, although a horrible USA national team jersey. You're putting on a national team jersey. You owe it to these players to try to win, period. Not to hide things for the World Cup. You are not going to win the World Cup. It's insane. That is insane. And anything Listen. he's saying about it is pure, unadulterated BFNS. Okay. So can we all agree that if the United States lost to Russia in a World Cup, it would be the lowest moment in a long time for USA rugby? If they went winless, wouldn't they could have a team that they could beat easily and should be expected to beat, that would be lower than, say, losing 87-8 in the Churchill Cup to the England Saxons. Can you agree with that? Just one word, yes. No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it. But in the context of how the preseason or how the uh, the, the preamble to the World Cup and the build-up to the World Cup went, it would just be, you know, one more step in Russia has gotten better and the U.S. hasn't. The way I look at it is... Russia has gotten better at, a, at an accelerated rate than the U.S. from last year. They have. I don't even... Canada I has think gotten better you can at make an accelerated argument. rate than the U.S. over last year. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't agree. I, I, don't, I think... Don't yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that Russia, at all. Think, Russia's better last year than they were this year? Yes. And they still... They lost, they lost to a, a, a USA team that was missing several key players. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Those are excuses. Show up with what you have. Show up with what you have. Yes, you do show up with And what Russia you... was missing experienced players too. So who cares? Who? who were they missing? They were missing their fly half. Pretty important I, guy. Yes, yes, they were missing their fly half, and their replacement fly half was an experienced guy who could kick extremely well and did a good job. Uh, you know what? But I, 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 I don't, we'll, I don't agree think... to disagree. You could be you – know, look, if you want to yeah. go out – and, and everything's going to be happy and hunky-dory, and we're going to try our new game plan. I don't know what the hell our new game but, plan but, is, but we've been trying it for months and maybe years, and it ain't scoring a whole lot of points. But Bruce, so Bruce, I don't want to know about what we're trying and what we're trying to do. I see a bunch of players who are playing scared because they don't know what the hell they're supposed to do, and, and when they do it, they're not supposed, they don't know where they're at. They're not being direct. When they are direct, they're effective. Other than that, they're ineffective. Right. And I think but, that we Bruce, have to Bruce, change our plan to suit our players, period. Fine, but, but Bruce, just because I don't think they've gotten worse doesn't mean I think everything is hunky-dory and wonderful. And, and for those of you from New Zealand, hunky-dory is actually a good thing. Um, uh, you're, you're talking about a couple of different things here. I think that Russia has gotten better. I think that uh, the USA performed pretty much the same level compared to Russia that they did last year with an, a team that was a lineup that wasn't as strong. I think the lineup, you say it's an excuse. Yeah, it's an excuse when you're putting together your team. But when you're looking at the team, it makes a difference. It makes a difference that you don't have uh, Smith, Nguenya, and Wilds. And you look at the fact that last year against, against uh, Russia – Wild scored two tries and Gwenya scored one. That's three tries that you took off the table and you had to have somebody step up in there. So I think that it is a, a lesser team, a lesser lineup because of that. And I'm at the same and, 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 oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But the, uh, and I think that you, you also have to take into account whether you agree with it or not, the way Eddie O'Sullivan has been approaching this World Cup. And he has been approaching it like it's a preseason game where he's trying to test some people out, but he doesn't want to test out all the things that he says he's going to do on the field later this this summer. And do I, you agree with that? Uh, do I agree with the approach? No. Do I agree that it's going to happen? Well, that's what he says is going to happen, so I believe that it's going to happen. Well, but, I and we'll, wait, we'll, I can't we'll see. wait to see what they're hiding, man. It would be interesting. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Because there's no better place to practice what you're hiding than under pressure. I think that they have an opportunity to get prepared to win. And I think that in the event that they change their approach, they can do well. But Canada did so much better and, and got so much more out of this Churchill Cup than the Eagles could ever hope to have gotten. 
Canada played fantastic. Actually, I loved watching Canada play against the Saxons. I loved it. They went out there. They were committed. They smashed them. They got knocked around in the scrum, but they had some scrums where they stood strong. They did some tough, you know, they knew they were going to struggle in the lineup. They tried a couple things. They didn't always come off. But at the end of the day, they hit them, and they smashed them for 80 minutes. That's, they that's, tried every that's what's great single about thing. Canada. They that's smashed them for 80 yeah, minutes. Absolutely. That's what they should do. You know do. why? Because they believed in their plan. Well, guess what? Canada's not playing the England Saxons in the World Cup in a few months either. So they threw everything they possibly had, everything they had in the cupboard at them, but they're not playing them, so they don't have to worry about having, you know, shown too much of their hand. I got one, I got one question. Like, whoever they're playing is going to have a video of the game, so they're going to understand that what the Canadian defensive system is, which is essentially all they had that day, and they're going to, you know, they're going to understand what Canada did. Who cares? You can really only worry about yourself. I mean, the top-tier teams are not going to sit there and overanalyze Canada. They're going to use the Canada game to try to beat South Africa. You know, or to, you know, they're going to use the Canada game to try things that they're going to use to, to make now, you, another you, team. Now, you, you don't think that a team pl- plays Canada and, and wins by only 12, that they're not going to hear it at home? It doesn't matter. In the yeah, World okay. Cup, it doesn't matter if you hear that at home. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay, at the end of the day, the goal of the World Cup is to win the World Cup. That's what the goal is. It's to get yourself True. into the knockout stages and to win the World Cup. They're in the knockout stages. They may have had a rough game against Canada, and then they win that quarterfinal match. Guess what? All's forgiven. Nobody remembers the Canada game. Okay, just about Canada, and this, this is what I think is very interesting about Canada. So they're in Pool A with New Zealand, France, Japan, Tonga. So if you look at that and the way that Canada played, and, and, and you're right, they are physically uncompromising. They are generally unexciting in the backs, but they do have some, some talented guys. And they were guys missing there. guys too. And they were missing guys too. That is absolutely right for the same reason. Um, and they have a, at least two very good goal kickers, one of whom is excellent. They, beat, they can beat Japan, although they lost them before. That They can beat Japan. They can beat Tonga. They actually have an outside chance to upset France. I think that's – if I were Canada, that's what I'd be looking at. I don't think they can beat New Zealand. But I think they're probably talking – they've got an outside chance of making the quarterfinals, and they could win two to get the automatic bid back. However, they're almost equally likely to go 0-4 because it is a very tough pool. Japan is way better than they were four years ago and, and eight years ago. Um, so it's it's a it's a really dicey pool, but I think the way Canada goes at it, which is that they have to be completely uncompromising in every single game and every single moment they play, makes all kinds of sense because they actually have a shot to win three games. Canada can go zero and four in the World Cup. Yeah, they can. Yes, they can. Canada can go two and two in the World Cup. Canada's not beating France. Canada can go <laughs> two and two in the World Cup. Canada can go zero and four in the World Cup. But it doesn't matter. Because Canada's build-up to the World Cup has shown that they're taking it seriously. That's it. It doesn't matter. They will perform. They will not get wiped by Japan. They will not get wiped by Tonga. And they could beat them and they can lose to them. But they went to the Churchill Cup final two years in a row. And now it's up to the United States to set down a marker and sweep the Canada series. If they can do that, then the U.S. is back on track. Canada sweeps the U.S., big issues. I don't know what we're hiding then. The thing that sticks out to me in this discussion is apparently different people have different priorities or different rank what matters differently. Because I heard just heard you say that whatever Canada does, they can go 0-4, 2-2, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens in the World Cup doesn't matter because they finished second in the Churchill Cup twice. So to me, that's – Completely backwards from what my line wait, of thought wait a is. Second, wait a second. I understand what you're saying. If I would say the same thing if Canada – I wouldn't say the same thing if Canada had Russia in their pool. Can, if Canada had Russia in their pool, they'd have to win that game and perform well in their others. The point of what I'm saying is – the point of what I'm saying is 
you what you place on is important isn't what I, as a USA Rugby fan, places as important. I, I care about the Churchill Cup. I think the 87-8 loss was horrendous. The loss that happened to Tonga was horrendous. I can't fully defend the way that uh, they went about choosing the lineups. But to me, the, the Churchill Cup in and of itself does not mean as much as the tests that are coming up or certainly nowhere near even close in the same ballpark as what happens in the fall. Nothing. Beating Russia in the World Cup is more important than losing 87-8 to England, in my opinion, as a USA Rugby fan. And what I heard from you just saying for Canada, going to the final two years in a row for Churchill Cup is more important than potentially going 0-4, or or it has more bearing on where they are as a union or a country or whatever. To me, that's backwards of my thought. And I don't know what – I don't have a pulse on what everybody thinks, but what I do think is USA Rugby is putting importance on rankings, test matches – and the World Cup. And that, to me, says they took the Churchill Cup as a preseason. So I think, I think it's pretty obvious that we could all agree that priorities are a little bit different here on maybe what, Bruce, you'd like to see versus what they're actually striving for. I, I, I want, I want, the World Cup is important, and I understand that the World Cup is important. Rankings test matches, we're not going to get a good rankings test match if we don't beat anyone and try to. So, like, nobody's going to want to play us if we're going to put a B-side out against Scotland A and get wiped. The reason Canada gets games and people actually want to play them is that they try to win. And the reason we don't get them is because we don't. No, that's got nothing to do with it. I'm sorry, okay. Bruce. You're, it, it's not. And they, it's not right. Then it has nothing to do. It doesn't. I, it doesn't. Then it has nothing to do with it, and I'm wrong. But the fact of the matter is, who have we played that has been good in ages? <laughs> Yeah, it's good. No. Name one. Canada no one. has been to many places and gotten opportunities to play games. So for some reason, I don't know what it is, they ain't playing us. I get it. Everybody now knows your attack, their attack plan is not what you think is the right attack plan. And I'm not going to argue that because I'm not a tactician or an expert in that field, obviously. But what I do want to say is that, and rightly or wrongly, I, I think it's rightly, USA Rugby is looking at the World Cup as it's the pinnacle of all that matters right now. That one game, especially that game against Russia, because I don't know what NBC, you know, what their plan is in terms of what they're going to air. Uh, but my feeling is there's a good chance that USA-Russia game is going to be aired in the United States. And winning a World Cup game against Russia, especially against Russia, on NBC in the United States would be bigger then winning the Churchill Cup would have been, and going undefeated throughout the, the entire summer. So if they're putting all their eggs in that one basket and they go and do it, then I'm fine with it. It justifies what's happened because I think the, the fallout and all the good things that can happen from that and the aftermath of it would be worth the pain that they went through to get there. So to me, that looks like that's what they're doing. I think that there's also a consideration about the other games because there's a difference between losing to Australia – uh, you know, 55 to 15 and losing to them 90 to nothing. And I think that it is very important. I think it's important for the coaches. I think it's important for Eddie O'Sullivan. I think it's important for the players that even if they lose games, that they are seen to be playing rugby and seen to be playing well internationally uh, and seen to be com- competing. And I think this speaks to what Bruce was talking about with Canada. Canada has a reputation, a deserved reputation for competing for the entire very rarely do you say that they kind of they kind of just let the the game fall apart there have been a few games where they've been completely blown out but for the most part canada will compete sometimes they've been criticized for being cynical in the type of game they play that they basically play to lose by as little as possible but they still hit as hard as possible they still take their points they still uh battle for 80 minutes, and I think that that is crucially important, not only for the image of American rugby internationally, but it's also important for the players, because the World Cup, one of the things the World Cup is, is an audition for players who want to who want to go play professionally. And if you are one of the young guys, I mean, we've got a bunch of guys playing for professionally or just signed contracts, but if you are somebody like John Vandergeesen, who's not a young guy but doesn't have a contract right now, or if you're somebody like Blaine Scully, who's just coming out of Cal and perhaps looking for opportunities, or Colin Hawley, same thing, you want to be seen as being somebody who maybe he's not on a world, uh, world-beating world team, but he is giving absolutely everything he has uh, for his team 
that's somebody somebody will want to sign. So, you know, if they go one and three and they battle everybody, I think that's a success. If they go one and three and they get destroyed by the other three teams, I think I think that's that's a, maybe a qualified success, maybe a qualified failure because we don't want the, to see them fall apart. And I think the same thing with Canada. Canada could go 0 and 4, but did they go 0 and 4 competing and kind of close or did they go 0 and 4 and they're just totally outmatched? It's it's a, it's a different deal. Tonga and France are good teams, but Canada but if Canada loses by 40 points to those teams, that will be a failure. If they lose by 5 or 10, then you say, okay, well, you know, they're good teams. Just like 1999, the USA goes to Ireland for, the, for their leg of the World Cup, and they lost all three games. But they, uh, they scored the only try that anybody scored against Australia, which was, uh, which was something to hang their hat on. And they lost to Romania by, uh, by two points, a game that you kind of figured was going to be close one way or the other. So it wasn't a failure in that in that sense. Now, had they lost to Romania by twenty, then you would have been, then you'd be shaking your head and say we got a problem. I, I just look at it this way: from two thousand and seven to now, we've spent X amount of money on coaching staffs, X amount of money on NA form and and Eagle A and all kinds of things, X amount of money on a CEO, X amount of money on this, that X amount totals probably eight million bucks and to me beating russia and new zealand ain't worth eight million bucks that's just my opinion in front of 100 fans in the usa i think that we should ask for more and i don't think that we've gotten and i think we owe the players more and i think that every time a usa player puts on his jersey and goes out into a game he is in an audition for a professional contract and we owe that player and we owe that team to give them the best chance to perform and the best chance to showcase themselves. All right, so that wraps it up. That's a perfect way to end it, Bruce. And uh, that will do it for Rugga Matrix America. Rugga Matrix America is brought to you by rugbymag.com and rugby magazine don't forget to go to rugbymag.com for all your rugby news and also buy the usa sevens in las vegas 2012 february 11 to 12th with the las vegas invitational leading up to it go to usa sevens.com for all your information uh we recorded this show on father's day so happy father's day to all the dads out there all right Patrick, have a lovely day alex have a lovely day Happy Father's Day, Alex. And, Pat, I hope I don't have to say Happy Father's Day to you. Otherwise, you'll be paying child support. All right? Sounds good. Take care, boys. Right. Luckily, Bruce, no uh, no child support for me. So thank you on that. And, and Happy Father's Day to, uh, to my brother out there, a uh, father of two, and, and to every father out there. Well, I hope every dad had a great Father's Day. And thanks a lot to Greg Rocca, who is... Been-